it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast, And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. All right. Part de. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. There's that noise happened. <laughs> you liked it. I did. I liked it. It was fun. It was a fun noise. All right. So when we left off, okay, to sum up. What's a nice way to say the whole thing is fucked? Yeah, botched job. Mm-hmm. Botched, yeah. Botched. Yeah. Yep, botched just like Frank and it's always sunny. And his toe glove. And the toe knife. Oh, the toe knife. Well, a cut glove. Mm-hmm. Botched. Yep. All right. So basically, there's been no investigation. It's been ruled as a suicide, but there are some conflicting pieces of evidence, which we are going to dive into today. And before we do that, just to remind you, should you want extra episodes or ad-free episodes, go check out the Patreon. We don't think you'll be disappointed. Or, no, not at all. And if you wanted this, say, oh, I don't know. A week ago? A week ago. Yeah. Could have had it. And that's okay because we'll have plenty of uh, part twos coming up. So you could have those right lickety split. You're damn right. So first, we're going to start with the inconsistencies so you can see why the, quote, investigation was not even an investigation and why the Andriacchios started their own and hired their own experts, which is also fucking crazy. And also fucking stupid that they had to do that. Exactly. Like, so much money and yeah, it's just ridiculous, but the justice system failed them. Big time big time. Before making a decision about whether a death is a suicide or homicide, it's typical of the police to talk to friends and family and get an idea of the person's life and his state of mind. And this was not done, not even a little bit. Whitley and Dylan were asked, but that was it. Taylor, Avery, the Andriacchios, co-workers, his brother who he lived with, they didn't talk to anyone before deciding this case was a suicide. Now let's talk about the gun and the bullet. So Christian was right-handed, but the gun was found between his left thigh and the tub. And he was shot in the right temple, essentially. Mm-hmm. And if it's very uncommon, I would think for somebody who was going to die by suicide to use the opposite non-dominant mm-hmm. hand to pull yeah, the trigger. And even more so if we're... If that's where it's found, then you're thinking he's using the non-dominant left hand 
but he's crossing over his body to get to the right side of his head to shoot himself. Exactly. That doesn't make any sense. Um, No. The other thing, though, is that the gun was decocked. So, yes, it is an automatic pistol. And so, therefore, if you pull the hammer back and cock it, it'll automatically, the chamber will fill up with another bullet after you've shot the first one. And it won't become uncocked until you do it yourself or until the clip is empty. How do you know all that? I watch shit, okay? <laughs> I was like, what the, what the fuck is this? I watched Tombstone just yet. No, I don't know. That's not, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that sounds about right. And the thing is, with a 45 caliber gun, like what what all of the experts say is he would not have survived and been able to function at all after that shot. But I mean, see, let's just say this goes to trial. We go, we're going to go back to a whole Jody area situation. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe by all accounts, he shouldn't be able to, but that does that mean that he couldn't? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And since the bullet wasn't what was it in the Jody Arias thing? Since the bullet wasn't still lodged in his brain, like you could clearly see the pathway, but the defense was trying to be like, well, but you don't see the bullet in his brain, so you can't really say that the bullet is what killed him, can you? <laughs> right. It's <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? But all the experts agree pretty much that with that caliber weapon, you know, because I know that you could find some cases where a person either is shot in the head or shoots themselves and they do move or, you know, a little bit. But that's not going to happen in this case from what everybody is saying about this gun. It's a very, very powerful gun. Yeah, maybe a twenty-two or something, but a forty-five, maybe not. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Since I happen to be a gun expert all of a sudden. Apparently, yeah. So... And they're saying there's, you know, there's no way that he would have manually decocked the gun. So there's something to be said there. And there's also, because the this gun is so powerful, the experts say that the recoil would have sent it to the right since Christian was shot in the right side. So it would not have, he wouldn't have been barely holding on to it, you know, because his his grip is going to relax, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to just gently come down with his arms. It's going to recoil. It's going to bounce back. So it should have flown out to the right side mm-hmm. because that's where he was shot, but it didn't. It stayed on the left and it ended up between his leg and the tub. It mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. And then the bullet was found in the tub and it had been found to have drywall in it. There was a through and through wound in Christian's head, meaning the bullet went somewhere after leaving Christian's body. There was a bullet hole in the bathroom wall by the light switch, which is on the other side of the room. Where his body was. Right. But that's not where the bullet was found. It was in the tub. Now, how the fuck did that happen? That does not make any sense. Unless it's one of those like cartoon bullets from Looney Tunes where it has a mind of its own and it just flies around the room willy-nilly and ends up landing in the bathtub. Yeah, like a a balloon animal that you let all the air out of. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Okay, well, we cracked the case. There we go. Yeah, you're just not using the old noggin. Exactly. Gotta use your dipstick, Jimmy. (laughs) Exactly. So let's talk 
gunshot residue tests. Mm-hmm. And it was shown that all three people in that apartment, so Christian, Dylan, and Whitley, had gunshot residue on their hands. But if Dylan wasn't in the house, how did he get it on his hands? And when they had originally been told that they were going to be tested, Whitley immediately told the police that they would find it on her hands because she had gone shooting the night before. And part of me at first was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, wait, maybe I'm just a clean bitch. I don't know. I wash my hands. Oh my God. I'm constantly using lotion because I'm always, I feel like my hands are always in water. Yeah. And let's just say I took a bath the night before, so I'm not going to take one first thing in the morning, but I do take, you know what I mean? Like there's, I'm going to have, my hands would have been cleaned. Uh-huh. These yeah. hands have been cleansed. Like they're going to get washed. So there's no reason why a whole 24 hours later ish. Yeah. You would still have that on your hands. If a simple using soap and water would have taken it away. Exactly. Yeah. Now, however, while what the culpable podcast called Gun Night was confirmed to have happened, the other people there were inconsistent with whether or not Whitley had ever shot the gun that night. So Whitley's adamant that she did, but the guys, Matt and Jet Miller, who were cousins, they first said that she had never shot a gun and that she was terrified of guns. But later, Jet would say, well, wait, hang on now. Yep, she did shoot like four shots. But Matt was like, no, she never shot the gun that night. And Matt made a statement to the police that was transcribed as, I specifically mm-hmm. asked Whitley if she wanted to shoot. And she said no, because she's terrified of guns. Mm-hmm. Also, no fingerprints were on the gun, not even Christians. So riddle me that. Uh, yeah, because if this was a suicide and nobody has touched that gun since Christian, well, and, but, and Dylan says he touched the gun earlier because he moved it. Mm-hmm. And he also says Whitley tried to grab the gun from him. Mm-hmm. So fingerprints should be on that gun. Right. We know for a fact that Christian's, at the very least, his fingerprint should have been on the gun. Mm-hmm. It has been wiped clean. Clearly. Why? Why? And decocked. <laughs> yes. Why? It doesn't make any sense. This was kind of, I don't know. I guess it's all, all of it to me feels like a smoking gun that at least, at the very least, something accidental happened and they're trying to cover it up, but Mm -hmm. something happened, you know? So let's talk about blood spatter. If Christian shot himself, he would have instantly collapsed and died. The paramedic that responded noted that the gun is very powerful. There's no life after someone is shot in the head with that. Every Again, everybody who is an expert of any kind, medical professional, whatever, has said this about this gun. There's no turning your body or putting the gun down. There was no indication that a bullet had hit any part of the tub, and yet that's where Christian's head was and where the majority of the blood was. Weirder still was that Dylan and Whitley had both said in their statements they had opened the door. Remember, because he was... Dylan thought he was taking a shower. It's also very weird, too, that Dylan's like, I, as soon as I walk in the door, I don't see Christian there. I immediately go upstairs. The bathroom door is closed. I knock. He doesn't answer. And I'm like, like he says, I thought he was in the shower. But then he's like, he didn't answer me. So I wake Whitley. Hey, we got to go check on him. He's not answering me. Something's wrong. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Why would you be so on edge and nervous about what's going on with him? I don't know. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. I specifically remember that the door was closed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep, I specifically remember that too. And so they both say, you know, that the door is closed, the door is closed, the door is closed, but... When the blood spatter was examined by the experts, there was blood spatter on the outside of the door and someone mentioned blood spatter on the stairs. So again, unless that blood happened to be like a runaway balloon animal mm-hmm. and it slid under the door frame and then climbed, jumped up onto the door frame. Yeah, it would have had to been like a flubber type of moment. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking about, flubber. Are you serious? Yes. Oh my gosh. So that door was fucking open. There's mm-hmm. just no no other way about it. There's The door was open. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Christian's body appeared to have been moved was explained differently by Whitley and Dylan. Whitley said that Dylan moved Christian because he went through his pockets looking for money, as any Why? good friend would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a piece of shit and he's dead. I might as well see if I can get money out well, of his pockets. Well, I can't pockets. take it with you. I'll, I'll, same for the cigarettes. Can't take them with you. Smoke them if you got them. Right, because Dylan said that Whitley moved him going into his pockets for cigarettes. <laughs> this guy has just turned into an ATM and remember those cigarette um, dispensers? Yes. That you get? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but however much. Pull the thing, yeah. She's saying that this is the, quote, love of her life. And she found him swished up in a puddle of blood. I cannot handle her with the swished. In the puddle of blood in the bathtub. And she's like, hold on though. Do you think he has a cigarette in his pocket? Yeah, well, I mean, it was a really traumatic situation. She probably really needed to smoke a cigarette about it. Like, if they moved him to, if they did move him around a little bit to look like, if he's like laying down or whatever and you want to go through his pockets, you're going to, it might be a minimal moving to go through the pockets, but you're not going to completely put him in a like totally different position, you know? Well, and you would think if you were going to move him to check his pockets, the gun would have been freed at that point because mm-hmm. where are pockets on your hips? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Dylan and Whitley were never photographed, so we don't know if there was blood on them. Naturally. (sighs) Right. 
After Christian's body had been removed and the apartment was open again, the Andriacchios did their own evidence collection. Again, or anything they found that seemed important was immediately delivered to the police. They found a bloody knife that was tested and found to not have Christian's blood on it. I'm like, but what did it? They also found a bloody t-shirt that was stuffed behind the toilet in the same bathroom. Mm. And the police didn't think that was a big deal. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk about statements. Their statements had a very different amounts of detail. And in the interviews, Whitley agreed that Dylan opened the bathroom door and would say in a later, in a text later that Dylan never went upstairs. She said she opened the door and cried and held Christian's hands. Which, how could she do that? They're kind of like, the position he's in, You like, you'd have to pull his arms behind him. That's so awkward to hold his hands. Mm, yeah, if you're holding both hands. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. one, but still, it's just like, yeah. So right out the gate, she's got a completely differing story than she just said two minutes before that. But in Dylan's statement, not only did he open the door, he had to wake Whitley up and tell her that Christian was dead. And in Dylan's statement, he told detectives that he had listened to the fight with Christian and Whitley when he and Christian got home. He told the detectives that the argument had gotten so heated that Christian was yelling, do you love me repeatedly at Whitley? And then he put the gun to his head as though if she didn't answer him in the affirmative, he was going to pull the trigger. However, during Whitley's questioning, she was asked if Christian was ever suicidal or if he had ever threatened to kill himself or hurt himself. And she was like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. They clearly did not have a powwow before uh-uh. and talk about what they were going to say. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to do, if you're going to, yeah, at least get your story straight. But mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't matter. I don't understand it. It didn't matter. The police never were like, that doesn't no. sound right. And like, look at all of this that we've just talked about. There's so much there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's very much what we've talked about before with like, tunnel vision with the police. They're like, look, this is a suicide. It is nothing but a suicide. It could never be anything except for a suicide. The Mm -hmm. end, case closed, go home, leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, of course, that's interesting for a few different reasons. One, the incident Dylan described happened mere hours ago. So you're going to remember it. And two, if you're going to remember it even more if it was out of the ordinary. And three, text messages were found from Christian to Whitley that directly contradicted that denial from her. Yeah. So Whitley and Dylan both said in their statements that Dylan had to wake Whitley up in this case. However, Whitley slept through the sound of a 45 caliber gun going off in their apartment, but another woman a few houses down and the apartment office staff all recall hearing the shot at different volumes based on their proximity, of course. Mm-hmm. But we kind of already talked about that, meaning depending on how inebriated or how high she was, yeah. she's probably just so out of her gourd that she didn't even know what was happening. Yeah, if she was on Xanax, she very well could have slept through it. Like, I've never been on Xanax, so I don't know. I haven't either, but the way that they were talking about it, that like she would just, you know, essentially go out cold. I mean, I've taken a muscle relaxer before after I had surgery and it powered me the fuck down. Like I was just like done. No, same. I did the same thing after I got into a car accident and just had to will myself to just go up the stairs. Like I was literally like in the process of powering down, but I was like, just make it up these stairs. Uh And it was like the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like that would be possible, 
but we won't know because she wasn't drug tested or anything. Like, you know, we don't know what she had in her system. Okay, so let's talk about the phones, the phone calls, and the text messages. Oh, geez, the text message. I'm not ready for the text messages. I'll be honest with you. I know. Christian's, Dylan's, and Whitley's phone records were eventually examined, and there were many, many text messages. During that last 24-hour period, there were said to have been about 120 texts from Christian to Whitley, compared to her maybe 20 to him. She had been ignoring him. And remember, she said in her statement, she didn't hardly say anything in her statement, but what she did say was, he stopped talking to me the day that he left and he didn't talk to me for two full days. And then I finally got in touch with him. Right. Again, that is a direct, that's a lie. Like, Mm -hmm. it's definitely a lie. Many of these texts were intense and desperate. And by the end, Christian was writing blatantly textbook suicidal messages to Whitley. So I'm just going to read a few of them. There's a lot. There's a lot, a lot, a lot. But, you know, we're not going to have time for all of them. So, and these are all on February 25th and 26th. Live to die, right? Let's skip the middle shit, get to the dying. I'll leave you alone. It's on you, Whitley. I love you. By the time I get off here or make it home, if we work this out, then we work it out. If not, then all right. You have ran me into the ground. I love you. If you want to let go, I'm sorry. I'm not playing a guilt trip on you. I'm just letting you know that that is how I look at my life. Until you, nothing made sense. I was just passing days, waiting my time. I'm not doing that again. I'm not letting myself come to that again. Also, these are very... The grammar is horrific. Yeah. The spelling is not good. And I remember Ray say, and they're run on, just complete run on sentences. And I remember Ray saying that when they looked through the text messages or what they saw of it, it did not look like Christian, the way Christian texted. Like, mm-hmm. um, and remember Dylan and Whitley's statements were god awful mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, they were riddled stuff. with, yeah. Yeah. And another thing about Dylan is he was known around the area to be the kid that could jailbreak your phone for you. He would post Mm -hmm. about it all the time. Like it was almost like a service he provided for people. And Christian's particular phone, I think he had an iPhone 4. There was a known glitch with that phone that you could actually change the contents and times of text messages in the phone. Mm. Like you could just go edit it. And it was just something wrong with the phone. Mm -hmm. So his family was like, I don't trust these text messages. They don't sound like him. Mm -hmm. And that one in particular, nothing made sense until you. I'm sorry, but we all know that Christian was holding out for Avery. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe he did say stuff like that to Whitley just to make her feel better or something, but... I don't know that he would be like, nothing in my life made sense until you, like you're the only thing that's ever made me happy or whatever. Like, that's not true. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Will you please answer me or text? At least let me know who you are with to make me feel better. I'd appreciate if you would let me know when you can talk, please. I'm gonna need you to turn your red receipts on. I'm tired of living. I'm tired of being me and I just want it to all go away. I want to go away. This world would be so much easier if I could just go to sleep tonight and not wake up in the morning. Answer the damn phone or I'm cutting the motherfucker off. 
Why is your red receipts back off and your location? You're mine. I am yours. That will never change. I'm not letting this go. I want you and I'm not letting you go. You stole my heart. You swept my feet from under me and I'm still stumbling. I never thought anyone would drive me crazy as you do. Mm. Please, Whitley, I want us. Whitley's mom would later claim that these were not the first suicidal threats Christian had made and that, in fact, he had done so just two months before his death. Christy said, quote, he had gotten intoxicated and getting angry and heated and he had put the gun to his head and he even put it to her, which would be Whitley's head, and he was asking her if she loved him. But Whitley does not recall any times that he's ever threatened harming himself or anyone else. Right, but her mom said that that's what happened. And where did her mom get that information? From Whitley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, which is it? But like, you would remember that. So, what, I, I mean, I just I feel like well, I'm taking What I'm thinking happened is Whitley's mom is probably thinking long-term. You need to say the right thing so they won't come get you for this. So, okay, yeah, say that. Oh, now I remember that this actually happened exactly like it happened that night, but it happened before that. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely done this before. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Now, yeah, we've got to have, we've got to build that case. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. We've got to establish that behavioral pattern is what I was yeah. thinking. I don't know why I couldn't think of the word pattern. Whitley was also texting with her... Uh, air quotes, friend, Matt Miller. Uh, More on him in a minute. But this is February 26th, 2014 at 11 a.m. Whitley says, hey, Christian is kicking me out. I need you to come get me, please. And Matt says, I went to work. And Whitley says, please, I have nowhere to go. Matt says, call somebody. They redacted the name. I can't, I really can't leave now. And Whitley says, after last night, you can't leave. And Matt said, it's a job. I was already late. I swear I would, but I can't. Whitley, did I say your name last night? Matt, no, why? Whitley, because I normally do, duh, little boy. Matt, what do you mean? Whitley, I don't remember shit from last night. Matt, nothing? I assume she means, really, you can't come get me even though I slept (laughs) with you? Yeah, and did I say your name when we were having sex? (sighs) Mm. Weird. And he's like not having it. Like He's just like, no. I mean, she's obviously trying to be all like, Really? Like sexy and whatever. Yeah. And he's Excuse just like, me, no. Excuse me, Trey. Do you think uh-huh. you can find me? Yeah. And he's just like, um, nope, I'm at work. Bye. March 1st, 2014, Whitley to Matt. This is Whitley. What you doing? Whitley to Matt. I feel like you're avoiding me. March 3rd, Whitley to Matt. Hey, because I had gunshot residue on my hands from us shooting guns and they asked who it's with, you're not a suspect. They already declared it to be a suicide because they know by the ballistic test what kind of gun that was shot and what time and the gunpowder on Christian's hands. And at this point, the gunshot residue results were not finished. They weren't finished or like released for another like 20 something days. But she's saying... That's done, You're basically. Good, don't worry, yeah. Yeah. So later that day, Whitley says, when did they question you? Matt says they didn't. His family did, which is also Christians. concerning. Yeah. Yeah, like the police yeah, didn't question didn't. him either. Yeah. Right. Whitley says, what did they say? Matt says, saying that it wasn't a suicide and I better pray I wasn't behind it. Like, I always get caught up in shit because of you, Whitley. 
I'm getting threatened too, but I can't help it. That's not even the issue to me. The issue is that he's gone and there's no way it was a homicide either because he was shot in the side of the head. I didn't even know that till yesterday and I didn't have his kind of gunpowder on my hands. Matt, and I'm sorry he's gone, but I didn't talk to him or nothing and now I'm in it. Whitley, because I shot guns with you the night before he shot himself, Matt. Whitley also told Matt that she found Christian in the bathroom. So March 4th, 2014. Matt, did you find Christian or did Dylan find him? Whitley, Dylan. Matt, you told me you woke up to a gunshot and found him. I mean, that's hugely different because she says she didn't hear it at all. Mm-hmm. And Dylan had to wake her up. But like, if you're that out of it too from Xanax or whatever it is that you're on and you don't hear a huge bang from that gunshot that you're in the same apartment as and Dylan comes over and he's like, Whitley, wake up. She's like, yeah, okay, I'm up. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, that doesn't make any sense either, but you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Whitley, no, Dylan found him, told me, and I found him. Like, does she not know what the word found means? No, clearly she does not. Dylan found him, told me, and I found him. You didn't find shit then. No, yes, she did. She found him after he found him. That's what she just said. That's like what toddlers do when, you know, Ben comes to me and he's like, what? Where is, you know, this thing or whatever? I lost this toy and I'll look all over the or their cup. God, their cups. And I'm like, okay, I found your cup. And Ben's like, look, I found it. <laughs> you didn't find it. I just found it for you. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Like, God. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So Matt says, your story has changed so much. And Whitley says, what? And that's the most uh, punctuation she's ever used in her whole life. Matt says, so where was he shot? You told me something completely different. Whitley, his head, I didn't even know where he was shot when it happened because it didn't go through. I just found that out. How did I do that? Question mark. Matt, you told me y'all fell asleep together and you woke up to a gunshot, ran upstairs and found him. You said nothing about Dylan. You said you found him. Whitley, Dylan didn't even go upstairs. Dylan told me to check on him and I did and he was dead. What did she just say? Dylan found him, then told her, yes. Yeah, okay. Matt, Dylan said he found him, but you told the police a whole different story. Whitley, you're trying to say I'm guilty. Matt, fuck, I don't know. Nobody knows. Why would he kill himself? Everybody's trying to find out. Whitley, wish I could tell you. Matt, yeah. March 23rd, 2014, Whitley to Matt. My story did change because I didn't want to make you feel bad. Oh my God, this is like the oldest trick in the book for a manipulative Uh person. 
I lied because I wanted to make you feel better. Uh-huh. You have to consider I've went through more than I should have with all this. I was cleared as a suspect and it was ruled as a suicide. Did anyone stop to think my whole entire life ended by finding what I did in the bathtub from one night of fucking up? And I would say it's not one night of fucking up because she's been texting him. Christian has supposedly, if if this is what she really believes, has killed himself because he found out that she was cheating on him with Matt and she's devastated and feels to blame and all this stuff. And then she's turning around texting Matt being like, yeah, can you come get me? I mean, was I saying your name last night? Remember how we were having a bunch of sex? Like, mm-hmm. are you serious? And that's not one night of fucking up because she's like, I mean, I usually do say your name. <laughs> usually? Normally do? Like, that sounds like a pretty mm-hmm. regular thing you're talking about there. But anyway. Okay, so did anybody stop to think about her because <laughs> she's, she's a victim? victim. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying this because I want I want to get... Is she saying get with you? I have no idea. What it actually says is I'm not saying this because I want to get his with you just to clear stuff up, but I wonder if, if she's, she's just saying, saying get with you. Yeah, something like that. And then he doesn't say anything and then she says, life's too short, smoke one. Real mature. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about Christian's phone, not only did that phone have a glitch where you could change things in it, uh, Dylan knew how to jailbreak phones and change things, but also Todd, uh, Christian's dad, is like, Dylan and Whitley had been in possession of the phone for a long time before it was turned over. So again, you can't trust anything that was on that phone, really, you know? Right. But the DA was like, well, the phone was on the tugboat with Christian at the time that those text messages were sent. So I don't know of any way that those messages could have been manipulated to appear that they were coming from the boat if she was in Meridian. So I think what they're doing is they're using the timestamps to place where the phone was at the time that it was sent, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like there was a GPS tracking location on the phone at the moment when they were sent. It's not like each individual text message you could be like, oh, well, this has like how um, pictures are when you take them and yeah. upload them on, on the But internet. I mean, even if they're using like, if they're saying, well, the phone was pinging off of like this tower during that time. But that's what I'm saying. Like it's being manipulated. It's not like each individual exactly. text message has a tracker on it. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you change the time, that doesn't change anything else. It just changes the time and the and the content. It doesn't change, mm-hmm. right. It, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I don't, I don't know specifically I don't know how it works. Or, sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. I'm not a phone tower pinger expert. Specifically, sure, yeah. Yeah, that's not specifically my area of expertise. Mm-hmm. We're gonna wear that shit out, but I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. Um, also, if a saying implicitly bothered you in the last episode, we were doing that on purpose. We don't think the word is implicitly. Exactly. We've gotten, we've had people be like, it really drives me crazy that you guys think it's that. And I'm like, oh no, it's it's like from some movie or show. But no, anyway. it's from Rich Dick's oh, show. Yes, 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 yes. I was like, they say dolphinately and implicitly. Yeah. Or no, it's a uh, ghost bouncers. He says it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I knew it was, I knew it was something that we were quoting. But yeah, anyway. So what's even more odd is that Christian's phone hadn't had any activity since 12.40 p.m. when he got a call from Dylan. And despite the time of death being determined to be about 3.30 or earlier, Christian's phone was active again at 3.44 p.m. So whose number did Christian's phone call 
So yeah, from 344 to 354, Christian's phone was used to call Matt Miller six times and then again at 511. Then from 448 to 455, two unknown numbers were called. One turned out to be a close friend of Dylan's and the other turned out to be Dylan's mom. Hmm. So we've now pickpocketed a dead man Mm -hmm. trying to steal his money and his cigarettes. And we're now using his phone as if it is our own phone. He's dead. Mm-hmm. Because there's no way in hell that if Christian was alive during this point that he would be cool with her calling Matt Miller on his phone six times. No. But the police, 911 is not called for another hour after that. And who would have called Matt Miller if they called immediately after finding him because Whitley was asleep the whole time? That's right. Yep, that's right. She's supposed to be asleep during this time too. Mm-hmm. You know, but what do we, Who? that's none of our business, right? Exactly. Let's talk about the credit union. So Dylan claimed that Christian gave him his debit card and told him to pull all of his money out of the bank. And Dylan said that Christian wanted him to have his money. However, when Dylan went to the bank, he was turned away after being told that only the account holder could pull money out. Ray, Christian's mom, said that Christian knew this because he and Whitley had gone to buy furniture once and he sent Whitley Whitley with his card to get cash for the furniture and she had been turned away for the same reason. Yeah, so he's not going to tell Dylan to go do that. No, because he knows better. It's happened before. Also, it doesn't make sense for him to be like, hey man, go pick up some Chick-fil-A and while you're there, just take all my money. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. Like... He's not giving away all his possessions like people typically do. I mean, maybe if he was planning to kill himself, he would, you know, give some of his stuff away, but he would have gone and withdrawn that money because, again, he knew that Dylan wasn't going to be able to do that. Right. And that happened, that would have happened after the last activity on Christian's phone before somebody starts calling Matt Miller. I don't think he was alive when Dylan was at the bank. I don't think he was either. So Christian's Jeep was parked at the marina where he boarded the tugboat for his first hitch in Vicksburg, which was about four hours from Meridian. But when it was checked later, it had been moved from where Christian had parked it. Christian's Jeep was where he kept one of his guns. But if he had gotten Dylan to drive him to the Jeep, why didn't Dylan mention it? And why wouldn't Christian have driven it home from there? Unfortunately, we don't know who moved the Jeep because the security cameras at the marina were just for show, apparently, and were not functioning. Surprise, surprise. Right, Even yeah. though Dylan's statement was that they drove straight from St. Rose to Meridian, Ray had a screenshot from Dylan's Twitter that said Meridian to New Orleans to Vicksburg, then back to Meridian before lunch. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if, if they did go to Vicksburg, why the hell would he not have, he would have driven his own car. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, when you go back to work, you're going to have to have Dylan go drop your ass off again. Right. It's like th- three something hours, four hours away. Like, no, he would have driven his Jeep home. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. Law enforcement also just did not give a care whatsoever. Did we talk about the lividity though? No, we haven't talked about it yet. Okay. I don't know if it gets mentioned um, again, so I wanted to touch on it to be sure. But one of the things that they did find was lividity on the back of Christian's legs which would indicate that he laid on his back for quite a while. 
So lividity, for those unfamiliar, is the act of, so when a, you find a body, there the blood is not circulating anymore. Gravity pulls the blood to the spot where it is laying. So if you're on your side, all of that blood is going to go to the bottom of your body wherever it's touching the ground. So that would mean that where his calves were, mm-hmm. the undersides of his calves or whatever, however, like right underneath his um, the bend of his knee, yeah, that's where the lividity was. So that's where all the a lot of blood had cl- like collected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're saying that, and that would take that would take a significant amount of time if he just fell and they went up there and you know found him and then shifted him around just slightly. Mm-hmm. To check his pockets or whatever, you that lividity would not have had a chance to present itself, basically, but it did. And then he was found draped over essentially the bathtub, which doesn't match at all how his body appeared to have been positioned. I mean, that's just a very clear way to tell if somebody has moved a body. And why would you move a body after it's been there that long? Like you're trying to stage something, obviously. Right, as well as the gun, as well as the t-shirt, as well as the blood spatter shirt. Right, and then, and once they, once EMTs arrived there, rigor mortis had already begun to set in, and that takes a few hours to set in. And then after, after the body reaches full rigor, which is the stiffening of the muscles, we talked about this in the Corey Loveless case, where her arms were kind of like fixed and floating in the air, and people said, oh, well, obviously a pillow had been under that, and they moved it, and she was in rigor, and so that's why it stayed there. But that's not what happened. The EMT had moved her arms and they stayed there because of rigor, you know, the whole thing. But Christian's body was already in rigor. And then eventually after several hours, it dissipates and your body relaxes again and it becomes pliable. Mm -hmm. But so that indicates that his body had been there for much longer. You know, they're saying this just happened. But by the time EMTs get there, we've already got lividity on the back of his legs and we've already got rigor setting in. So now we're looking at a time of death that's probably much closer to the 12.30 time frame, not Mm 3.45 or 4.30 or whatever. So this would be almost exactly when they got back to the apartment. Exactly. Almost, yeah. It's like they get back to the apartment and then something happens, which also matches up when with... When Christian's phone stops Mm -hmm. having any activity that we know for sure is him. Until again, 3.45 or 3 o'clock, whatever. Yeah, because what are the odds? I mean, like everybody has their phone on them all the time, right? Mm -hmm. But like, I don't think I go like three or four hours without sending a text or getting a text or whatever, you know? Like, but there's no activity on his phone from like 12.40 to whatever, to 3.45 or whatever it is. I just find it very odd that if he's there hanging out, they go for a drive, they're eating lunch, they're doing stuff that he doesn't, that he would be next to his phone and not touch it, basically. Right. Because they're saying at that point he's still alive. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay, so law enforcement. The Andriacchios tried to talk to Detective Demarcus Wilburn. They called him multiple times. He never returned a single call. He still has never spoken to them. Not once. Ray made an appointment with the chief of police, James Lee, three weeks after Christian's death, but she recalls him being very arrogant and condescending. She wanted the case reopened with the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation, the MBI, but Lee refused and suggested that the Andriacchios, quote, go home and accept it. And Ray was like, 
would you be able to do that? Go home and accept that your daughter had killed herself if you knew that she hadn't? Like, would you just go home and accept it because the police tell you so? And he's like, yes, I would. (laughs) I hate when that happens. Like, I I hate when people do that. It makes me so mad. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, you and I both know that that's a big bunch of BS, but okay. And Ray was like, well, if that's how you feel, then there's no reason for me to talk to you anymore, obviously. The Andriacchios have been brushed off and led on by detectives for years in this case. And after her meeting with Chief Lee, Ray became a bulldog and an investigator in her own right. Chief Lee was fired not long after this for improprieties, which were sexual harassment claims, that the mayor, Percy Bland, said made him lose faith in Chief Lee's ability to run the department. Buck Roberts was appointed to the chief as interim until the new chief was hired. And he allowed the MBI to come in. And uh, that was in May of 2014. And they wrapped up in November of 2014 and created a report that was then given to the district attorney, Bilbo Mitchell. Bilbo says, though, he never got that report. Doesn't know anything about it. Hmm. Nobody ever gave that to me. Four months after Christian's death, this is July or August of 2014, Benny DuBose was appointed as chief and he took over the Andriacchio case. He said a lot of the stuff didn't make sense. When the gun was sent to the lab, quote, they did not find any prints on the gun at all. And like we said, at least Christian's print should have been on that. So here we have the new chief of police saying this gun was wiped down. It was cleaned off. Mm-hmm. He also reflected on the fact that the bathroom was, quote, surprisingly clean and there should have been blood splatter. He called it splatter. He declared the first investigation to have been bungled. Then he said, taking pictures of the crime scene with the doggone cell phone, they were all issued cameras and the pictures, needless to say, were terrible. Mm. Are you fucking kidding me? They took pictures of a crime scene with their fucking cell phones? And back then it's like, what? <laughs> One step up from a flip phone. Exactly, yeah. Like, you might as well have been looking at surveillance video. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Grainy AF. It's ridiculous. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. On this point, D.A. Coleman agreed with DuBose, stating that there was incompetence and lack of thoroughness, which I don't even know why the fuck she says that because she doesn't give a care and she's not going to do anything about it, but Mm -hmm. whatever. While DuBose agrees that this was not a suicide, he also is not necessarily sure that it was a homicide. When asked which he thought was the real manner of death, he said neither. I don't think Mr. Andriacchio killed himself on purpose. I don't think anybody else killed him on purpose. 
He feels like maybe Christian was holding his gun to his head like before, but this time he was in the bathroom and this time maybe Whitley reached for it and it discharged. He feels like it could have been an accident. Hmm. She stands alone. Yeah, I would say so. He claimed that they had new information from Whitley and she was actually thinking about it and thinks it was an accident because Christian had gotten the gun modified to be a hair trigger. So she's like, you know what? Actually, I've just been thinking about it. Like, where was this information before? Right. He's like, oh, oh, wait a second. Hang on. I'm just like remembering something all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Because I think she goes back and forth with, I mean, because initially she tells the police he's never threatened to harm himself before. But all those text messages say that he were saying that he was. He was like, I just want to die. I want to end it. I want to die. You don't consider that being... Suicidal? Yeah. And then your mom says that he's held a gun to your head before. You're not going to remember that. Like, mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, well, you know what? Actually, he'd modified that gun to be a hair trigger and maybe he was just doing what he did before and this time it accidentally went off. Which is it? <laughs> like, It's just right. so frustrating. But Ray and Todd are like, man, I don't know about that. Todd said, anything's possible, but um, Ray said, everything points to murder posed a suicide. Like you said, you know, if it was just one thing, maybe. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Yeah, but this but is 42 a lot. things, yeah. Exactly. So Ray said to the police and the DA and everybody, like, okay, well, what happens if you find out that gun had not been modified? Like, Whitley is saying the gun's been modified, so maybe it is an accident. But what if you get information that says it was not modified and contradicts her her statement, her information? Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, well, I mean, if we get that, then we're going to have a problem. And Ray was like, well, that gun has not been modified because if it had, it would have been modified at a specific place and I've contacted that place and they did not modify a gun for him. And they're like, um, okay. So the gun was sent for a drop test to see if it would malfunction and it never did. Ray has also already talked to the Kimber representative, which is the manufacturer of the gun, about the likelihood of that type of gun malfunctioning. And they told her that it was simply not possible. These guns do not malfunction. And the police were never able to get it to do that. So Whitley saying it had been modified. If it had been modified to a hair trigger, they would have been able to to show that. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't. So then this dude, Jerry, I don't know how to say his last name. Bratu, Bratu, what do you think? I'm going to say Bratu. Okay. So... He was hired by the police department. His entire job was explained to Ray as investigating cold cases and specifically, he was going to focus on Christian's case. Ray described him as the go-between for them and DA Bilbo Mitchell and that she's not sure he even did anything or talked to one person in the year and a half that he was supposedly on the case. Again, they're thinking they're just doing a bunch of shit to shut her up, basically. Exactly. Like, okay, we'll put this guy on it. Now, he is the one you need to direct all your phone calls to, okay? Every time that Andriacchio's tried to contact Jerry, he would have to run things through Bilbo. Meanwhile, he would also be lying to them and basically convincing them to pay for things. So 
this is how they end up hiring all these experts themselves. Ray and Jerry had a conversation about the possibility and helpfulness of a crime scene reconstruction. And Jerry is like, yeah, that would be super great, but we don't have the budget for that. And so Ray is like, okay, I'll figure it out. So she researched a company, she found them, and she paid for it. But Jerry wasn't convinced with the reconstruction's finding that it was a staged suicide. So it's like, he says, yeah, let's get a reconstruction. And then they get it. And he's like, well, they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Jerry had mentioned to Ray that a DNA sample that was on Christian's gun was too small to test. So Ray researched a lab that specialized in small samples. She found a company that explained that they could use that small amount to rule people out. So Ray tells Jerry and Jerry's like, well, I have to run it by Bilbo, you know, see if he'll release a sample. So Bilbo goes to Jacksonville, Florida to talk to another forensic company that Ray had found. And he was like, look, y'all hold off on that DNA because I think I've got enough for a murder charge here. So just you just wait. And then just literally nothing happened. Ray contacts Jerry again, but he's him and Han. and he can't talk to Whitley because she's a minor. So Ray sends him a letter with a list of minors who were arrested for murder and was like, well, maybe you could talk to the detectives in these cases because it seems like they've figured out how to talk to a minor. So whatever their process was, maybe you could get from them. And Jerry's like, oh, you know what? You just, you must have just misunderstood me. So... Jerry tells Ray that they're waiting for the coroner to, quote, get over being mad at them so they could get his crime scene pictures. It's all now hinging on the coroner's crime scene photos that they just didn't have possession of. And Ray's like, I actually have a cell phone number. I'll just give him a call. So the coroner is like, excuse me? I have never once in my entire career taken a photo at a crime scene. That is not my job. That's not part of my job. Yeah, it's the detectives yeah. and the police officer's job. Exactly. And so Ray calls Jerry and she's like, the fuck, dude? You said you were waiting on his crime scene photos. And he's like, no, 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 no. You misunderstood what I was saying. What a Again. piece of shit, man. Yeah. So then Jerry says, you know what? It really would have been great if we could have gotten luminol on the apartment to see if there were any other traces of blood. And Ray's like, yeah, that, yeah, let's do that. And he's like, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. We don't have anybody trained in luminol. How? In Meridian, you have nobody trained in luminol? Mm-mm. But okay, we don't have anybody trained in that. So here's what I'll do, Ray. I'll get on YouTube and see if I can't find a fucking tutorial mm. on how to do luminol. And uh, then I could probably figure it out. He might as well ask Jeeves. Yeah, exactly. Cha-cha. Oh my God. Yeah, he's gonna have to text Cha-cha. That's ridiculous. So, obviously they didn't want him to do that because if you're gonna learn it from YouTube, it's probably not gonna be done right. Right. She's like, you know what? I will find an expert who already knows how to do that. And then Jerry was like, well, actually we can't even do it anyway, even if you find an expert because the apartment complex wanted the city to sign a liability waiver to take responsibility for anything they damage in the process. And the city's just not willing to do that. We can't sign a waiver for that. So, you know, whatever. So Ray's like, I don't fucking believe this. So she called, because how many times has he just told her, you know, made up shit? Yeah. So she calls the apartment complex and talks to the manager. And the manager is like, "Mm, no, nobody's ever called and asked about that. I've never talked to anybody about that. I've never told anybody to sign any waivers or anything. Like, 
None of that. And she's like, the girl that lives in the apartment now, I'm sure would let you do it if it would help the case. So Ray checks with the tenant and she was right. The girl was fine with it. And Ray didn't have to sign anything. She didn't have to sign a liability waiver or anything like that. And once again, she calls out Jerry and she's like, you lied to me. You said you talked to this apartment complex manager and you didn't. And he's like, golly, you miss... Did I make you think that I talked to somebody there because you are just misunderstanding me again? I never said that. Yeah, he's like, I am so sorry that you keep misunderstanding me. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That's... That's so weird. And then he was like, I actually, my mom is calling um, and I have to go home for dinner. I need to be taken off the case. Bye. (laughs) I mean, Mm -mm -mm. so by now, Ray and Todd have accumulated their own team of forensic investigators to examine the blood spatter in the bathroom, the location of the bullet, the DNA, and pretty much every other aspect that should have been the responsibility of the police department. The Andriacchios had their own private investigator, like we said, Max Mays, and their own attorney, Cynthia Spiegens, on their team. And Cynthia said that at first she thought she's just going to be consoling a grieving mother who was having a hard time accepting that her son had killed himself. But she's like, that is the total opposite of what I found in Ray Andriacchio. Cynthia said that the more she found out about the case, the more outrageous it was. And she also said that, quote, to come to a conclusion that this was a suicide takes some real gymnastics. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the time of death and the coroner's ruling. Another part of this that comes into question is the time of death. Christian was described by multiple experts to be impartial rigor. This takes a few hours, like we talked about earlier, meaning that he was dead for a few hours before 911 was called enough time to clean up. Mm-hmm. So Whitley and Dylan are by far the most prominent suspects, but many other people in their circle of friends have been brought in as well. First was Matt and Jet Miller. They were at quote-unquote gun night with Whitley and have given contradictory accounts of the, that night in regards to whether Whitley shot the gun. Matt was also the guy that Whitley was r- driving around with that made Christian come home in the first place. He was Whitley's side piece and she had slept with him the night before Christian's death. He had stated that he thinks Whitley is a compulsive liar, manipulative, and sneaky. He believes that she killed Christian because Christian was threatening to take everything from her, but he doesn't think that Dylan was a part of it. Okay, we can agree to disagree there. Yeah. Also included in the circle of sketch was Hayes Miller. Hayes was the son of the then DA Bilbo Mitchell. After Christian's death, he was on a tugboat where he worked and started running his mouth. A guy on the boat was from Dale Wood and knew Christian, but Hayes didn't know that yet. Hayes was saying a bunch of things and ended up saying, it wasn't supposed to go down like that. Then when the coworker started asking questions like, well, what do you mean? Hayes asked where he was from and then stopped talking. Unfortunately, we'll never be able to get the rest of Hayes' version because he died of a drug overdose. Ray said that she felt like whatever he knew was eating at him and he used the drugs to silence the feelings. She said that what she believes happened was that someone knew that Christian had money and that they were planning to rob him. But Christian had no fear from anyone or anything and would have fought whoever. Maybe they tried to rob him. He fought. They killed him. And then everyone cleaned up and staged the scene. All these people were deep into drug addictions, Whitley, Dylan, and Hayes specifically, and were probably thinking Christian would hand over the money and they'd just all move on. Ray's brother, Chris, also thinks there had to be more than just Whitley and Dylan. He doesn't think the two of them would have been able to get the jump on Christian. 
I mean, another thing too, though, is they didn't do a toxicology on Christian. So what if Whitley fucking put something in his drink or his food or something too, you know? Yeah, exactly. What if she slipped him a Xanax and then they Mm -hmm. shot him? But I also think, I'm thinking about the Sarah Stern case too. Mm. Like I go back and forth in my mind about, well, I guess three possibilities. Whether Whitley really was passed the fuck out on Xanax and Dylan did it and then staged it to look like a suicide because he was trying to steal his money. Mm -hmm. Or if Whitley did it, because there is some, there has been some information going around that, you know, I mean, we already know Whitley was trying to get his uh, life insurance changed over. Did she think that his life insurance was naming her as the beneficiary and she was going to get money from it? Because she knew that he was going to kick her out and break up with her. Yeah, And he was talking about moving away. I think she most certainly thought that, yes. Exactly. So now we're coming to the end of our rope with him and we're getting desperate because we're about to lose our cash cow. Mm -hmm. So if I've talked him into changing his life insurance to me as the beneficiary, then what's to keep me from, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a motive. Or what if they worked together and said, let's split this money? She's like, hey, I'm the beneficiary and... Well, we know his pin number or whatever. Let's just go get all his money. Mm-hmm. Because Dylan wouldn't have known, maybe. I mean, you should know because it's stupid to think that you can go clean somebody's account out without them being there. Right. But if he didn't know that because he couldn't, he wasn't part of the whole getting the cash out before, then I don't know. That's why I wonder, like... I don't know, but Whitley is so manipulative. I just, I don't know. I go back and forth with it. Because part of me is like, she's a drug addict. I don't know if she's smart enough to pull all that shit off. And I wonder if she really was just like passed out. But then I'm like, well, but why was she pushing so hard for his life insurance to get changed to her too? Well, and who knows? I mean, maybe she, maybe she just convinced Dylan to do everything for her. We've seen that happen a million, billion, zillion times. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Who can know? But, I mean, the Andriacchios, you know, hired their own experts who are world-renowned, and they say that they think that he was already, Christian was already dead before Dylan left for the credit union. And, and that has to do with the lividity, the rigor, all the things. Mm-hmm. They did actually end up getting arrest warrants for Dylan and Whitley, but they were never activated. And the police department ended up getting a new police chief even after DeBose. So three years later, he was replaced by Captain Jay Arrington. And Arrington was a 30-year veteran detective with the Meridian Police Department. And he had also come to the conclusion of homicide and stated that he had no doubt that Christian's body was moved and that he had died hours before the 911 call. Mm-mm. However, Arrington told the DA, Cassie Coleman, that he would like to change the charges to culpable negligence, manslaughter, and present it to a new grand jury. And Coleman agreed to resubmit it if they had new evidence. So Arrington writes the arrest warrants for Whitley and Dillon, but they were never activated or served. In October of 2017, the Mississippi State Prosecutor presented the case to a grand jury, but Arrington curiously was not allowed to attend. And he was like, 
I don't understand this because this is the only time I've ever seen in my entire 30-year career where a grand jury would go on without hearing from the detective. Everything is so fucked in this case. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's just so many... Well, that's kind of suspicious. That's kind of suspicious. Like, it just Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. And I do, I think I remember this from the Culpable podcast that, that, and if you haven't listened to it, you totally should. Because, I mean, there's so many rabbit holes in this case. But I remember the prosecutor specifically, like, getting evidence from other suicides that showed that there was not much blood spatter on the walls from it. Like they were essentially in this grand jury, they were trying to persuade the jury that it was in fact suicide. Mm -hmm. They were like trying to present information that explained away all of these weird things essentially. So I don't know. And the jurors were just like, look, we there wasn't sufficient evidence to prove it one way or the other beyond a reasonable doubt. So... You know, you can't take it to trial that way. And Cassie Coleman is just adamant that it was, that it's a suicide. And she said, well, at this point, there's been further investigation by multiple agencies that have determined it to be a suicide. Tell me when and where. I know, exactly. That's what I'm like, no, I don't think that's what happened. I feel like what DA um, Coleman is doing is she's like putting her fingers in her ears and she's like, la, 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 when anybody's giving her any of the feedback on it. Yes, yeah. I agree. She's like, if I heard you correctly, this is still a suicide. Yeah. Then, so Ray had been requesting Christian's case file for years and they wouldn't give it to her. And then all of a sudden, they released it on the fucking internet. That is some bullshit. Yeah. Released it on the internet. And there were, I mean, his autopsy photos were released. Everything, the entire contents of his entire phone, not just any messages that would have had to do with the case, his whole phone, like forever. I mean, it just, mm-mm. and she's like, that's through the rest of everything. Like, obviously, losing her son is the worst thing that could have happened to her. But, like, other than that, that being released to anybody for anybody to see was, she, she was like, that's such an invasion of privacy. Like, Mm-hmm. Why would you release that just to the public and not at least notify the family beforehand or something like that? Um, but still, that should not be released like that. The Culpable podcast announced that they're offering a $100,000 reward for new information about the case that led to a conviction. And there are two petitions on Culpable Culpable's site to call for the U.S. Department of Justice to investigate corruption in Meridian. And we will link to both of those petitions if you want to sign it we already have Whitley though would not grant any interviews until the 48 hours team contacted her when she she had a really interesting response to 48 hours what uh <laughs> what was that Tori yeah so she was like two weeks ago it just came out came to me like out of nowhere I'm thinking she's like whoosh <laughs> out of nowhere and she had written a poem that she was going to read to the program and the title is moist which i'm sorry if anybody hates that word by whitley goodman but what okay i guess read the poem but what the fuck oh, yeah no where does moist come in yeah okay so <laughs> i'm gonna read the poem now 
I miss who I was, the person I once was allowed to be before the anxiety, the pain, and the notoriety, before your name was used in vain as my, the main source of my pain. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it has been such a war. I guess it's me who we should hate. I'll be everyone's escape. It's very, the rain in Spain stays mainly in the plains mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But why is it called moist? Stick to your day job, Whitley. <laughs> right. I guess this is what I have to say. Yeah. I don't get the hidden meaning behind the, the name of that. I don't know. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It no. doesn't make any sense. But so she hires an attorney, Bradley Clanton, and filed a lawsuit for $47 million against the Andriacchios. The Cobble Podcast, Black Mountain Media, and Tenderfoot TV for defamation and emotional distress. And Clanton said, you can't torture people for the rest of their lives because they got accused of a crime. And their lawsuit also wants to have the Justice for Christian Facebook page taken down due to the accusations that get posted on the public forum. And Whitley said, I was just so confused whenever I started being blamed. I really was. You know, if they were so weak-minded that they took pride in, you know, hurting me without even asking me or confirming, you know, (laughs) what the truth is, then I don't want anything to do with them. Okay. You know. You know. Yeah. And also, I mean, I know that we say stupid stuff like that, but. It's just, well, yeah, it's hard to see when you when it's written down. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, Whitley was also contacted on Facebook by Melissa McCarty of Crime Watch Daily, and she ended up engaging in a conversation with her, which I'm sure she was surprised as hell. Whitley told McCarty, "I've never even been named a suspect. The arrest warrants they claim are out there have never been activated, but were simply written up to shut Ray up." All Ray has done is publish lies and try to get money and attention from her own son's death. If anything was up with the ballistics or the body positioning, I would be in jail. Christian died. I can tell you he killed himself and so can his threatening text while he was states away. There are not active warrants for me and Dylan. If you publish that, it's false information. I'm sure it won't be the only false information you choose to publish, but I was just told to tell you that. And then her last comment to her was, there's a special place in hell for people like you. Jeez. Like, okay. And she she pushes out there that Ray and Todd are getting all this money from like the couple podcast and stuff. They're not getting any money. It's not... It's not like, yay, my son killed himself. I'm going to try to call it a murder and then get rich. That's not what's happening. Like, well, and the only one who, in fact, did try to benefit financially from Christian's death uh-huh. was, were Dylan and Whitley. Yep, exactly. It just, it's like the, like, it's so obvious what's actually happening, but it's like she's, I mean, she'll stand in front of you and say the sky is purple, you know? Like, yeah. She just, she believes her own lies so much. And then she's like, am I doing it? Yeah. Am I doing it? Exactly. And, you know, the family just wants to know what happened. They just want closure. That's all they want. I just, I don't understand how people don't see that. Like, there are so many inconsistencies with this crime scene, with the lack of investigation, with their statements at the very least. We've talked about it so many times. If you're telling the truth, you're able to just tell the truth. You don't have to try to remember what you said. 
you know? Sure, they're going to have different perspectives, you know? But the information should be the same. The general information. Who found him? She's still, she still well, can't facts. come up with a difference. Yeah. Yeah. She still can't come up with which one it was. Like, it had to have been one. If you're making all of that up, there's a reason. Maybe the reason is something stupid, you know? If the, like, I'm, I'm thinking of like Gone Girl, you know, where like, he was trying to lie because he had a girlfriend. He didn't want people to find out about that or whatever because he really didn't have anything to do with her disappearance. But like, I know that sometimes people will lie to cover up something else, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at this point, it would have been better to get in trouble for whatever it was that they would have been trying to cover up. Now they've got this cloud over them like for the rest of their lives. So mm-hmm. it seems like there's more than, oh, I just don't want to get in trouble for whatever else, you know? On the Magnolia Sun site, Ray wrote, one of the greatest fears of a parent who loses a child is that their child will be forgotten and the facets of their personality that made them so special to their family and friends will be lost in the movement of time. Mm. It's so sad. And we will, like we said, we'll link to those petitions so that you can sign them if you want to. And that's all we got time for, man. Again, Culpable has 15 episodes on it. So if you want a super deep dive, check it out. But yeah, and there is definitely plenty more for us to even talk about, but we just don't have time for it. Yeah. Yeah. We could keep going. Exactly. So that's the case, man. I don't like Whitley. I do not like Dylan. Mm -mm. I don't like Whitley's mom. So, you know, that's all I've got to say about that. All right. Well, there you have it. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. It's the only blanket proven to improve. <laughs> Did I say proven or pluven? Now I don't know. Pluven. You said Did I say pluven? that? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and that's a to improve. <laughs> oh my God. What the fuck is that? We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 